Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena, and it is Monday, April 5th, and we are, let's see, three weeks, a little over three weeks before the NFL draft, so we are ramping up, obviously, our draft coverage, pre-draft coverage, and on today's show, we're, we're going to do something just a tad different. I know we've been having the college hosts on the show to talk about their respective their uh, respective pro days, but what I want to do, I want to step back a, mi- a little bit and bring back David Turner, who is president of Maverick Sports Consulting. He's also a former NFL scout, personnel guy. He's done work for the Giants, the 49ers, a whole bunch of teams. He's been in the CFL, the Arena League. And I want to bring him on uh, because, you know, I think it's real important to A, kind of recap what the Giants have done in free agency to how that's going to set up their draft, then talk about some of the pro days um, that have taken place so far. Who are some of the prospects, you know, whose stock has risen, who, whose stock has dropped, and then kind of get a feel for maybe what the Giants might do. So that's going to be the outline of today's program. And David, always a pleasure to have you back on the program. No, oh, thank you for having me back on. Honestly, it's always fun to come back on and have some time to talk with you and talk Giants ball. You know, it's one of my favorite NFL teams. So definitely excited about our conversation today. For sure, for sure. Now, David, the Giants surprised a lot of people. They were really active in free agency. I think they signed 16 guys who were with other teams last year. Um, Of the 16, I know eight, I counted eight that had prior ties with either the front office, coaching staff, or Logan Ryan, or as was the case (laughs) of Logan Ryan and a coaching staff. Um, So, I know you've had a chance to look at what they've done in free agency. Give me your, your overall thoughts on the haul that they have had. I really like what Dave in the front office, Kevin and everybody's done. And obviously the coaching staff, like you said, they they've been able to weigh in on guys that they're, they're familiar with, which is huge in this, in this year's uh, free agency, because typically you could bring a guy in, do a visit, get a feel for him before you offer him a contract and not a lot of the, not a lot of opportunities are like that. I know they did it with the receiver. I think that was more for Ronnie Barnes to get his hands on him and the doctors to get their hands on him to um, be excited about Galloway or is it Galladay? Galladay. Mm-hmm. I always say Galloway like it's Joey. Galladay <laughs> uh, and his injury history a little bit more. But again, um, you know, for me, I, I really have liked what he's done. The, the team has done sewing up the, uh, the wounds here a little bit. I mean, if you look at it from my perspective, you need the big receiver, check, got him. You you needed to take care of the defensive line, check, did it. Um, you, you needed to do, uh, you know, work on different parts of the, 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 the roster, tight end, check, did it. So, you know, now they're going into the draft where they don't have a huge, we got to have, we need, 
you know, we need to move up to get this guy, you know, in, in a draft that's deep in certain positions. And also, as as I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit, that it's also we're seeing other teams starting to reach and stretch for certain uh, for certain players already. I think it's it's going to make for a real nice positioning at that at that, that 11 pick in each round for the for the Giants. You know, it, it's interesting because you look at how successful teams build their rosters and most teams use free agency to supplement as opposed to build the foundation. The Giants, as as was the case also with New England, by the way, really went all in on free agency. How much of a danger do you see that as being? I mean, even with the talent that they've added, how much of a danger is that in terms of building a roster? I honestly think it's not too dangerous to do it this way because you, when you're doing the comparisons, it's apple to apple. I mean, again, you're looking at NFL players playing against NFL talent, digesting NFL film. So you're not projecting anybody as far as where they're going to develop to like you do in college drafting, but you're projecting them how they'll do when they fit in into your system. Well, now, again, like what Dave did and, and the team did. They, they went with players that have played in this system or for these coaches already at some point. So now they can talk to character, talk to them about how they learn, know how they fit in the rooms that these coaches have created at other teams and other places. So I don't think it's very dangerous to do this. The danger part comes on age and age and then injuries. If the injuries are, are to the point where they're going to repeat themselves or that the age of the player is, is too high and you're over-invest in a player who's too old or older, I shouldn't say too old, these are all young men, but older, then, then you risk the potential of injury. And then that money, if it, you know, again, if they're sitting on the bench or they're on IR, they're not they're not working uh, or they're not performing in the ways you want them to to help you win games on Sunday. So I don't I, I really love what New England did. Uh, I, and I and I like a lot like what the Giants did. And, and I'll be honest, it's like watching some of these teams, they know what they're doing and they took advantage of a, a, a cap situation that a lot of teams were in danger of this year. A lot of players had to be cut, readjusted, we became available on trade market because the um, other teams were in cap, you know, cap hell, as we all say. So, you know, the, it was taking advantage of building the roster in unique ways this year, which hit, I think, were very creative ways and long-term solutions, unlike what Houston did. Houston signed a ton of guys to go to one-year contracts. A bunch of people didn't want to go there, but they got their contracts. So now you got a rookie head coach going to Houston and now a bunch of one-year uh, one contract guys. So he's going to install a system. They don't have draft, cap, draft capital. And then next year, the, the roster is going to have a major rehaul again. So, you know, what Giants did, I, I like I said, I really like what they did. I think it gives them flexibility in the draft now to come draft behind some of their older players and put young guys in position to be successful because they don't have to start right away. And they can still, at the 11 pick, find an impact player. And possibly even in the second round at their pick, they can find an impact player. So you, you, in this year's draft, you could add two impact players to this roster on top of what they did. So it, it really is impressive to me how they came back so strong. In the past, the last couple of years, they haven't done as much this year. I was really excited to see everything they did. 
Yeah, I I was too. I mean, I, I like I said, I thought it was going to be quiet, but you know, they were able to finagle the cap, stretch the cap dollars. What I wonder though, and you know, you having had experience building football uh, rosters, you never get the full value of what you pay for. I think with a wide with a free agent, I I, I think it's very rare. With that said, I know the NFL just agreed to, you know, new television deals. They've got some other deals in, in the process. I mean, how much do you think that was was a factor in it, especially when you look at the contracts of these guys, you know, Galladay, uh, Leonard Williams, Adore Jackson. Those numbers are low this year, but they're going to skyrocket over the next couple of years or so. I mean, so how much do you kind of look at that and say, okay, you know, at some point maybe we're going to have to – circle back and do something with these numbers because they might choke us well again think about it you you just said that you just said the magic sauce right there patricia they got them for low dollars now they can draft this year and next year behind those guys get those younger players groomed which are low dollars again and then but when it comes to time to pay them they can release those older guys because their young guys are ready to take over now so if you use the system right and this opportunity correctly, you, you really create you just created yourself a two year to three year window to groom, bring guys in and be ready for your next phase of winning, which helps you uh, groom your own players through the draft. But by filling these holes now, it doesn't cause those players that are coming in uh, uh, needing to be instant coffee. You can invest time, bring them along a little slower. And then, boom, you know, again, a year from now, two years from now, you have a very loaded roster of talent and you can let the higher price tag guys go because you filled in through the draft with these. And, and again, in this, that's what's so impressive about this step is that they were able to get creative and take advantage of this market, this climate and maximize their, their dollars to sew up the line so again a year or two from now if they draft correctly they can draft the right players and put them in position and they still have them on four and five year deals between where they get drafted to to solidify this roster for sustained success for the next five to ten years and, and a lot of teams that weren't forward thinking they were just stressing about next year's cap they didn't realize hey clean house and move forward and go. See, one team that did that last year was the Minnesota Vikings. They went into the draft with the lowest number of draft or players on roster before the draft with only, I think, 67 or so players. So then they <clears throat> they wound up drafting at 13 or 14, signing another 16 uh, after the draft. They, they added like 30 players to their roster post-draft and or draft and post-draft. And they, they used last year as like, okay, well, we're not going to be that good year, but we're going to get everybody some some nice you know playing time, and we'll be ready to strike in 2021. And again, this year they have good draft capital. They can have another year. That was when I first started looking at this strategy with the COVID and everything. I'm like, oh, Rick Spielman saw this a year ahead. Okay. And now people like you know the GOAT up there in New England and Gettleman and other teams – you know, they saw what was going on in the climate and they jumped on it and took advantage of it. And the teams that sat back missed on the opportunity. 
That's really uh, an interesting perspective. I never really thought of that. Wow, that's great, great insight uh, from your experience as building rosters and just being in the business. So thank you so much for, for clarifying that because I know I look at free agency and I say, okay, really, you know, that's like building. And, and only because the Giants did that back in 2000, uh, what was it, 2016, they, they, they tried to build via free agency to make up for all the, you know, the misses in the draft. So I guess, you know, that's a major difference from 2016 but, versus right. in, now. In 16, they paid top dollar for everybody. In right. 16, they got themselves in the cap trouble because they paid top dollar. And then they brought in, when was it, when they brought uh, in the new coaching staff, they brought in a coach that was a, 40, a 34 coach and they had 43 personnel and a lot of dollars locked up in 43 personnel. And now when they're making the switch over, it costs them a lot of money to make the switch over to the 34 personnel. That's why by hiring judge and bringing him in and keeping the 34 personnel that they, they had already acquired to help out the former staff is helping this year's draft and last year's draft to move forward in, in a better situation. Um, you know, when they brought in the 34 coach, we had him here in, in Arizona. So I got to watch him a lot. And I was just like, man, what are you doing? That's not Giants defense. Like Giants defense is a 43 right now. Like, you know, you put the four horsemen down and let them go get the quarterback. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. But now that they've made the switch over and this year's draft actually has some really good personnel to fill in these gaps, I, you know, form and solidify them. I think they're going to, they, they're in a prime position to make a huge step forward next year. Oh, very exciting stuff indeed. You're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trainer and special guest David Turner of Maverick Sports Consulting. He's also a former NFL scout, former personnel guy, so he knows all about this stuff, and I can't think of a better person to really go through all this stuff with us. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to turn our attention to the pro days and who's rising, who's falling in the draft, and just lead up to how that's going to potentially affect what the Giants do at number 11. Stay with us. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your sportsbook expert. Hey, Giant fans, this is Patricia Trena, host of the Locked on Giants podcast. If you're looking for a way to keep Giants football in the forefront during this offseason, pick up a copy of my new book, The Big 50 New York Giants, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. This 350-plus page book takes a deep dive into the rich history of the Giants franchise, covering every era with stories, photos, and more that take you behind the headlines. The Big 50 New York Giants is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, TriumphBooks.com, and wherever books are sold. Pick up your copy today, and thank you to everyone for your support. 
Welcome back, Giant fans, to segment two of Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, joined by David Turner of Maverick Sports Consulting. And David, let's talk about some of the pro days. Now, as we record this, I think most of the pro days are in the books. I think there's maybe a few left this week, and I, I, I think this is maybe the last week. Might be another week. I'm not sure. Don't have the schedule in front of me, but... Based on some of the reports, the measurements, um, what you've been able to see and, and hear in, in, from the scouting community, who are some of the guys who are maybe rocketing up the, the draft boards that may be potential fits for the Giants that we weren't talking about necessarily, you know, several several weeks ago? Uh, well, you know, so April 9th is the last pro day that I have on my schedule. Um, I believe it's UAB's pro day down in uh, Alabama and a couple other teams have that that day. So, yeah, this is the last week coming up um, for pro days. What's interesting to me are, good God, all the four fours and four threes we're seeing being run <laughs> at the pro days right now. It's just amazing to me. And I don't know if that's a testament to the kids having a home court you know, advantage and staying home and being able to rest and do everything from their house um, and in surroundings that they're very comfortable with. Uh, or it's you know, maybe the NFL combine, the way they have the schedule of the kids, getting them up early for drug testing and physicals and keeping them up late for the nights of the interviews and then asking them to, at the back end of it, do the all the physical work on the field. Um, you know, I'm not really sure which way it is yet, but it's just, it's been awesome. It's been fun. As a personnel guy, I've been geeking out out of all the of all these measurements and stuff. Um, I think one thing that we need to consider before getting into that you know, is that big trade that that came up for uh, the, the what the Niners did and what the Dolphins did because that's that in a lot of my mock scenarios I've been running through, that in itself is going to cause certain players to fall down to the the Giants and there's a couple really interesting scenarios that I've run that really could have a player like Micah Parsons fall to the Giants. Um, and if that happens, I mean, that would just be like a kid in a candy store to have a, a player that was a top five caliber talent. And the way he tested, which was like a, what, a 443 or something at 243 pounds or something like that. I mean, just his jumps, everything. That Penn State workout, not only him, but his defensive end buddy. I mean, they, they just were like unhuman style numbers. So, you know, you have players like that that are, are coming into the mix um, in their conversation. And then you also see, you know, uh, oh, man, there's just so many. Patricia. It's just, you know, the receivers had great workouts. Pitts down at Florida had great workout. I mean, there's just so many great workouts that now, you know, the teams want to go up and get these guys. It solidified their opinion to go get them. And made him, you know, made him like, yeah, that's why we want this guy. He's fast. He's he's got he can jump so much. This and that. Uh, it all comes back down to playing football, though, you know. But you know, if you really think about it, the big winners I think were were the players that performed well, and the trade is going to push people down to the Giants. Who that will be, it's going to be a top-notch corner. It's going to be, like I said, it could possibly be Michael Parsons. It could possibly be, um, you know, the top pass rusher in the in the draft coming down to them because he's going to be there or even one of these top corners that, um, you know, I love. I think this year they have three really top corners that, you know, between Pat Sertan and uh, J.C. Horn, 
that could wind up getting to 11 just because the draft math uh, works out that way. In terms of those surpri- surprises, I mean, you know, I've re- seen so many mock drafts that have the Giants going receivers still, despite the fact that they that they've um, added a receiver in in Galladay. I've seen them go edge. I've seen them go offensive line. Can you just clarify from a personnel perspective how much does free agency really influence what a team does in a draft? Yeah, they should work hand in hand. Now that's what Ernie taught us. You don't do you don't make a step in free agency before you understand the draft. Okay. And if you're not if you're not working them hand in hand in a in a consolidated effort to better the roster, then you're then you're working against then you're working against yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um when you when you take the step forward in the in the free agency, it tells you what they're planning to do in the draft. So when you see them lock up Williams for what four years, they're not drafting that position. They might drop the op, draft the opposite side, but then they go and they got the the guy from Minnesota. So you're like, oh, okay, they got him, but that's only a one year deal, right? So they still can draft behind him and get a young kid behind him and and move forward, right? Rudolph's a two-year deal. So you're like, okay, they got a guy for two years, but on the second year, there's a bubble payment. So if they go get a tight end, they're behind him, and then that makes the other guys expendable, right? So, again, you're looking at it, and you, you for me, what I used to do for Mr. Davis back in the day um, in Oakland is I would take every single team and write out who they lost in free agency, who they gained in free agency, numbers of contracts and payments. So then each position and player were laid out on how much you're paying everybody that in itself will tell you where their mental mindset is. And then you can go and look at their top 50, 53 players and say, how much is that going to cost in the cap? And if you see that they're way over on that number, then you have to start looking to see who's the potential trade baits and or cut possibilities because those are the positions in which you'll be you'll be able to see them drafting, and if they draft behind them, now you know you got a trade partner, or maybe you can go get a guy that they're going to wind up cutting in June or something, even before training camp, because they got who they needed in the draft to sew up that position. Um, and again, I call it reading the tea leaves. Anybody who watches my stuff, <laughs> they hear me talk about reading the tea leaves and doing the draft math, and that's that's what that's what I do. I sit and I digest all the draft math to figure out what each individual team is looking for and identifying their weak areas through their salary cap numbers and then their movement and losses in free agency. In terms of uh, just to go back to the pro day for a second here, you know, we, we can all sit here and speculate to the cows come home. Um, That's the fun who, part. <laughs> who the giants are going to do at number 11, but the tougher areas to guess is what they're going to do in the second round downward. Who are some guys that you think really help themselves that could be potential giant fits on day two, day three at different positions of need? Sure. If the Brown kid from Northern Iowa, the six foot eight offensive right tackle is there at their second pick in the, in the second round. I don't know if he will, because his numbers, again, you talk about a riser, I mean, he went to the senior bowl. He looked okay at left tackle. He looked really good at right tackle. 
and his numbers from his pro day were just off the chart. His measurables at 6'8", I think 315, I want to say ran a 7-1-3 cone or something like that. So, I mean, it was just like amazing that his size and his his weight, he was able to move and, and do everything the way he did it. Uh, that, But that's a guy, if for some reason the draft math works out and he falls to them in the second position there, I think they should be running the card up and, and putting his name in. I'm not as sold on the, the Connecticut kid as other people are that they took last year. Um, so he, to me, would be a guy you could put, you know, opposite side and then have fence posts uh, on left and right tackle for, you know, the next 10 years, potentially, if you can afford them going forward, both of those guys. Uh, you going down to the third round, you know, I think in the third round, that's where you might find them take the receiver this year, in my opinion. You know, I don't think they need the top-notch receiver. They they still have good ones on the roster. And in the third round, there's going to be a lot of depth at receiver coming out in this year's draft. So you're going to find guys down there, um, maybe like a Nico Collins out of Michigan, out of Michigan, you know, he sat out, he's kind of more of a vertical threat style. I don't, I think with all the receivers and early round early in the first round with so many quarterbacks getting taken and people knowing the depth in the receiver core receivers are going to get pushed back. And then you'll see a run at the offensive line because there's very little left tackles. And I think even very, I think the, the, the middle part of the offensive line has got some good meat and potatoes, but once that starts running, um, you know, I think they'll get sewed up in the second round. So guys like him could fall down and that gives you another big body receiver who's a great high point catcher competitor and, you know, coming out of a program he sat last year out, but Michigan's a great program. Dave loves drafting re- Michigan receivers. We've seen it before. So to me, he's a natural fit there. It gives him another big time player. And then, you know, look what Dave did down in uh, Carolina when he had functious and um, I just had the name notes escaped me, but he had two big wide receivers down in uh, Carolina and he likes having those big body guys. And this would give him another one. You're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trana and special guest David Turner of Maverick Sports Consulting. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to wrap it up with some thoughts and kind of spin ahead towards the Giants draft. So stay with us. Hey, Giant fans, if you haven't tried the all-new Built Bar, you're really missing out. They offer an amazing assortment of flavors, both of the nut and nut-free varieties, which is sure to appease any taste. And can I take a moment to tell you about their new Coconut Brownie Chunk Bar? Folks, this is by far my favorite of Built Bar's selection and a perfect way for me to swap out a meal or if my day is particularly busy and I need a quick bite, tide me over until my next meal. Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they really taste like you're eating a candy bar, except you're not. You're indulging in a low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber treat that's great for the keto diet or any diet plan you happen to be on. So head on over to BuiltBar.com today and use the special promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com with the promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off your next order. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, and I have David Turner of Maverick Sports Consulting. He also does work for NFL Draft Bible. He was a former scout for the Giants. He worked in pro personnel for various teams. He's also built rosters and other 
football leagues, just really well-versed and so glad to have found him and have him on the show. He's a repeat guest, as you guys know, if you listen to the show regularly. And David, I, I've got to, this has been bothering me. I've got to get your opinion on this. Okay. The Giants on offensive line, they yeah. let Kevin Zeitler go. I totally get it from a cap perspective. What do they do at right guard, though? Because, I mean, I look at Shane Lemieux. I think he's a power, you know, a little baby bull, if you will, a powerful left guard prospect. I'm really not sure if Will Hernandez is a fit there. Um, I know he's been doing some work at right guard in, in, in his training based on some of the videos he's put up. I know they just signed Zach Fulton who, from what I understand, wasn't really solid for the Texans. I mean, so what do they do at right guard? Well, I, they got some, like you just said, they got some guys, so they got some flexibility. But if they really want to sew it up and at the 11th spot, they can take the Slater kid out of Northwestern. Now everybody's like, oh, he's going to be a tackle. No, he's not. Those arms are too small. They're too short. Sorry, hate you. You can hate on me all you want, but that's not going to happen. So you put Slater there. You know, uh, Will, to me, Hernandez, I, I graded him. I went to Utah. It was one of my responsibilities when I was at the Panthers. He only has played left side his entire football career. I'm talking from Pop Warner to high school to college. He's been a left guard. So to try to flip his footwork and everything, unless you just think it's just not going to happen, I think is so tough. I really do. When you have a kid that has been a one-gap player his entire career – to flip his flip his work is so hard. If you've had a flexibility guy who's played right and left guard, who's played right and left tackle, stuff like that, it's easier. So that's why to me, Slater, you can take it the eleven pick. I'm pretty, I'm positive at that point he should be there, and that would sew up that offensive line really well. Um, and then even in the second round, like say you wanted to get another Hogmala, you could go and get a, a center because I know the center they had last year, he did a really good job, but he was a one year starter. Um, and he was a former tackle that they made us into a center. Um, again, you can go get one of the top centers because they're still going to be there in the draft and plug them in. And now you have Will and those other two kids in the middle. And boom, you got, you know, all the way through your left tackle, you have young players. And if they really are sold on the Connecticut kid, right, then you got a right tackle. So now you got five young players on contracts, four to five years, and your young offensive lineman is ready to move forward. So they can go get Slater, plug him in, plug in a, a, a young center, and now they can build around that core for the next four to five years. But just getting back to Hernandez for a second, if it, if it is so challenging to flip him, and this, and let's be clear about something, this is a very important year for the Giants' offensive line. They have got to see what they have in Daniel Jones before they extend him. They can't have another Carson Wentz situation. So they need that offensive line to really, you know, knock it out of the park. With that said, I mean, if Shane Lemieux is more of your left guard, do you run the risk and try and flip Hernandez over? Or do you just say, look, he just doesn't fit what we do anymore. Maybe you look to trade him since he's still on his rookie deal and he's still young and he, and he still, you know, could be a very good guard for, for a team, but does he fit with what the giants are, are trying to do? I still think he fits. I, I do. I think he fits with what they're trying to do. Um, I think Will's been caught in a bad position. Because the left tackle isn't isn't solid, and ha you know last year they started to get in a little bit of the rhythm, but again you know Daniel Jones is is 
they go into the season thinking they're going to run the ball, be a power run team. And then all of a sudden they're not. And that left tackle position has been kind of like, uh, you know, a soldier. Now it's this young kid. And, and so it's not solid. The center next to him isn't been solid. I remember when we were at the giants and we had a solid core of guys, you know, the, the offensive line were the same for a couple of years in a row, two, three years in a row. And that's what made it so good. They knew what each other were going to do. They knew how to move with each other. I mean, that's a, that's a unit that you need moving and working and comfortable with one another. It doesn't just happen overnight. They're not like plug and play and you'll be great. Um, you, you ha- they have to work together and without off seasons to work with each other last year and full thing. I think that that's a unit. And what I'm trying to say is that's a unit that I think struggles the most without being around each other every day. And these virtual learning meetings, whatever you can take reps in your head all you want, but as offensive line, it's when you step in place and the next guy steps behind you and you see the gaps and the offensive line coach could look behind you. See, you created too much of a crease. Now that guy can get through. That's why you got to shorten down that step and blah, blah, blah. That's all in-person coaching. And without that in-person coaching for offensive line, I think the, the play level falls back. For a guy like Will, I think he fits what the Giants want to do. I just feel that the in-person coaching and also the personnel around him need to be shown, sewn up and shirt up. And that's why I'm like, this year they, they have a potential to go get some offensive linemen if they want to sew up that offensive line, not only for next year, but for two to three years down the line, because these kids will move and grow together. And as we return back to normalcy, um, or hopefully we return back to normalcy, then you'll see these young kids starting to make more strides with the, the line coach being able to get his hands on them and move them together. Just backing up, you know, speaking of the line coach, they, they hired Rob Sale from, uh, I think he was with Louisiana Tech, if I'm not mistaken. Do you know anything about him? I don't. And, you know, again, that was another point I forgot to make when we we're talking about Will. But last year, I mean, they brought in a new line coach, Colombo, right? And then midseason, Colombo's gone and they're bringing in Gouge to uh, come in and, and coach, the, coach the roster up for him. And, and then again, now they're on to another line coach. So, you know, if you don't have if you don't have stability at your line coach, you don't have stability in your line room. The lines is never going to be solid. And I don't know anything about the new coach, the line coach. So I apologize. I don't have a a beat on him yet. No worries. I mean, he also has Pat Flaherty uh, who's going to be assisting with, uh, with I'm sure, you know, the coaching of that unit. And Pat, of course, built that, that giants line back that, that ran from 2007 to I think 2010. Um, one of the, probably, I don't know if you would say the greatest offensive line in this, in the post uh, merger era, I, I, the suburbanites I think would be the top one for me, but that line was a close second with O'Hara, Snee, Deal, uh, McKenzie, and and um, who am I missing? Cyberg. Cyberg. And, you know, and, and I know Pat, like obviously Flair and I know each other well. And what Flair does is is amazing with the line. He's got great communication. He's, he preaches communication with his guys and talking and making the calls and sharing. Don't be quiet. And back in those days, you would see Richie talking to O'Hare and, you know, Booth and all those guys talking to each other. And it's just like, man – that communication is so key on the offensive line to make sure nobody screws up their, their block on the next rep. So if flares in the building, you'll see a much better communicating offensive line for sure. Which is important. Again, it all ties back to Daniel Jones and making sure that he can take that next step. Now let's flip to the defensive side of the ball because 
I have felt that the Giants have been missing a pass rusher. You know, they had this great tradition of homegrown pass rushers. You can go back to Strahan, Tuck, OC, JPP. They traded away JPP, and then they tried to, I guess, import guys, you know, Vernon, um, Robert Ayers, guys that weren't homegrown. And they, they just never really, I guess, were the same as the homegrown guys. Do you think for the Giants, you know, if you're the Giants, do you think it makes more sense now to to maybe hone in on on uh, an edge rusher? I mean, there's no Joey Bosa, there's no Chase Young in this draft class, but it's not. I don't think it's a horrible class for edge rushers. So, if you're looking at the the overall biggest need for this team, would you say it's an edge rusher or, or maybe someplace else? Well, Patricia, I don't use the edge rusher, so uh, Sorry. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> But I, I'll say for them, it's going to be a diff- defensive philosophy. If they want to go get a a 34 pass rusher like Calais Campbell coming off the edge for them, which is more of a 5-6 technique, you know, there's the kid Peyton Turner out of Houston that, you know, can play that and do that well. There, there are guys out of Pittsburgh that have that kind of length and size that can play in there with Weaver and stuff. They can do that. Um, I think even Boschman. Bashma uh, can do that. So those, those type players can play in their scheme if that's where they want to generate the pass rush from. If they want to stand up and have an off-ball outside linebacker, um, maybe even on-ball guy, like, you know, again, going to the Pittsburgh model where TJ Watt um, comes off the edge and they want to find a guy there, I think they are in, those guys are in this draft class. It's going to all depend on what how they want to generate their pass rush. Uh, back when New England was doing their best work, on defense, in my opinion, they they created it in a in a model in a mold like the uh, Steelers do, where they have the stand up outside backers, blitzing linebackers, mugging a gate, mugging a gap, and then coming through, you know, mixing up the blitz and being creative. So if that's their their goal, I mean, you got Roche out of um, Miami that won't be a first round pick, but he has some really good talent. Um, again, you have. Uh, Rousseau, who's a tall guy, who reminds me more of JPP coming out. Um, you know, they, they don't in this draft class, I don't see an OC. You know, I don't see a guy with that first bang, first step that's just going to cause havoc. So, you know, for me, it's going to be like, what style of pass rush are you looking for? What kind of blitzers from your linebackers are you looking for? And then and then pl- and plug in those guys because they are inlaid through the draft. Even a guy like Cooper out of Ohio state, he's a little shorter. Um, but I think he, you know, he, he's a guy that maybe you pick in the third round that, you know, that can come and he showed great versatility at the senior bowl and he was tougher and stronger than I thought he was going to be. And he really had some great things. There's a Northern Iowa kid. I think Iowa, Northern Iowa, I think a guy, uh, defensive end. I'm blanking on his name. Hold on. I got my notes right here. Give me one second. Um, but he at the at the Senior Bowl would fit again if you're trying to do the mold. Uh, El- Eldrin, it's Northern, yeah, Northern Iowa. Ellerson Smith, you know, he's a six foot six, two hundred sixty two pound guy with thirty three and a fourth arm. And you know, if you're looking for that five six technique to play opposite Leonard Williams, this is a guy that could fill that gap and uh, and play and give you pass rush from that position. So. You know, there's a couple guys in this class that fit it well um, that I think they're they're definitely in striking distance with. 
You mentioned there are different ways to, to create that pass rush based on what the Giants have. I mean, is, is the way that you just outlined the way you would do it or can they do they have flexibility <laughs> to maybe go a different way? Yeah, I mean, the way I would, I'm a four down guy. I'm a four down. I like four. I like for our defense alignment. I like guys coming off the coming off the ball, with their hand in the ground. That's me. Um, I, I'm not into the 34 stuff and I'm not into this hybrid stuff. I like four down guys coming off the ball and going and getting it. Um, if I was asked to build it this way, I would really look hard at getting a Clayus Campbell size and style guy opposite of Williams, because I feel that those, those down linemen, they have the, the quickest path to the quarterback. So, you know, I would look at, you know, Ellerson Smith, Peyton Turner. I'd be looking at them very hard. I'd be looking at uh, Quincy Roche because I think he can stand up. He's, a, you know, just a hair under 6'3", and he's 240, 32-inch uh, arms. Uh, and, again, I think he can stand up, set the edge. He played strong down there. And then, again, uh, Jonathan Cooper, again, just a hair under 6'3", 250. Uh, four and you know he has decent length of 31 and 5 eighths arm to set set the edge and be a guy um, to come up field. So those would be players that I would be looking at to to do it with the model that they're setting for themselves. The back end of their defense, do you think they're pretty much set there, or are they missing anything? Because I know what, last time I spoke to you, I think you had said. Um, there was a, maybe they could have used another player to maybe shift some of what Logan Ryan had been doing. I mean, do you still feel that way? I do. I think they, if they can, if they got a shot at Pat Sertan or JC Horn or even, um, oh, the other kid, uh, Stokes, one of those three guys in, in, in the first round, they have to think hard about it because, you know, again, when you're looking at the cap era, you can't pay everybody. And Bradbury is a pretty high price tag. But if you can go up, when you look at what you know, Gettleman did in Carolina, he got Bradbury and Worley, and he was rolling with them, right? And now he's got Bradbury again. And if he can add a J.C. Horn to the opposite side, you got two big corners to combat the, the, the offenses that are there in the uh, NFC East. So, you know, you got a good triplet of receivers still down there in Dallas and they signed that bat. So you got to be able to combat those guys in Washington by them adding Fitzmagic, you know, that's going to heighten their, their ability to produce, you know, wins down there. Um, not so worried about Philly and I'm not trying to anger the Philly fans, but they have so much cap problems and issues. I think they're going to be, they're going to be in trouble for a year or two here. Uh, why, how he cleans it up. But, you know, for me, if you're going to win your division, having two big corners and a pass rush is something that they really have to think about. Now, they, to me, I think if you get another big corner on the outside, you can that frees Logan up to play more the nickel spot and he can blitz from the nickel spot. His versatility becomes very, very, very rare. I like his versatility at that position to help in the run defense, to help in the pass coverage, to drop into zone, be a robber. I mean, there's so many things because he's so smart he can do. And if you take him off the outside and put and put him in the nickel, it just boosts him and bolsters your 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 back end. So again, you have the potential in this draft. Even later, the kid from like Syracuse might end up falling into their lap on uh, in the second round. I doubt it, but maybe him or the kid from Minnesota, the um, St. Jude kid. Uh, I mean, th those are big corners that I mean tested out of the gym 
the gym. I mean, the Benjamin St. Jude kid from Minnesota. I mean, good Lord, his numbers were just unreal. And he's 6'3 and 200 pounds and ran, uh, I think he ran like a 4'5'2 or something with 32-inch arms. I mean, he's a big body kid. It'd be hard to throw over him. Um, and he had a million pass breakups. Look, he just did another one down the senior bowl. I mean, every time I looked at the kid do a coverage drill, he was he was breaking up a pass down the senior bowl. And these are the kind of kids, the iffy kid and him, that are going to fall doing the math draft or the draft math in the sec into the second round, in my opinion. So you know, I think they're sitting in a spot. They can take one of two. They can take so many roads because they don't have a glaring hole. They they have needs for sure they don't have a glaring hole so you can fix offensive line if you want you can fix secondary you can there's pass rushers that's why i said the the, the spot they're sitting in there's going to be good players sitting there waiting for them and they don't have to do too much to go up and get a guy and if they want they can also trade down if they if, if you know the right <clears throat> offer comes along i know dave's never done it but you know they're in a position to where if they're going to do it this year this would make sense Absolutely. If you're sitting there this year and somebody wants to dial you up, you got to answer the phone. You got to take the call. I know he's a big proponent of take the player because there's no guarantees he'll get to where you, th you think you're going. But this year, because of the depth and the way they set it up, absolutely. You got to answer that phone and, 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 and ponder the idea of moving back. Even if it's two spots, three spots, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I'd jump back 10 spots in this draft. But I might jump back, you know, three to five spots and, and trust that I would still be getting a good player and even my player might fall there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, a lot of people trying to guess what, what the Giants are going to do. I think we still have a few more uh, weeks before we can hone in on that. You know, I, I usually come up with a with a concrete solution and I'm, I'm probably jinxing myself right now, but I've hit it the last couple of years. So, uh, but this year, this is going to be a tough one. David, this was fantastic stuff. I cannot thank you enough. Before we sign off, just let everybody know where they can find you on social media and what you got going on. I appreciate it. Yeah, social media is Mav underscore sports, Mav underscore sports, and, you know, standing for Maverick Sports Consulting. Well, what we have coming up actually is next weekend, I'll be in Birmingham, Alabama for an HBCU combine. We've uh, invited all the kids from last year's NFL combine that can uh, got canceled on them in, in um, Miami. We've invited them. We have about 34 of those young men. There was 50 of them, and 34 of them are going to attend, on top of which we have kids from this year's draft class, athletes from this year's draft class coming down. We're at 45 uh, attendees. We'll be down there. We'll be testing them, putting them through an NFL combine-style workout, doing interviews and stuff just to make sure they get the exposure they deserve. I'm very fortunate to be part of this uh, venture and doing the very first uh, HBCU combine is, is a historic thing for me and I'm excited to be part of it. So that'll be next weekend. And then the weekend after that, I'm at the hub uh, down in San Diego. The hub is a free agent workout for, for players that are on the street, free agents currently looking for opportunity. We've already had two players signed NFL contracts out of the last hub event. One of them was actually signed on the field. We just couldn't talk about it or tweet it out until he passed his physical, but the Carolina Panthers came down and uh, they saw a running back Darius Clark, who I had found at a different event, a different workout and invited him to this one. because I knew more NFL scouts would be there. And um, Matt, Allen, their pro director, happened to be in attendance. A decision maker saw him, 
pulled him over to the side, interviewed him, got him on the phone with Scott Fitterer, and they, they, they signed him. They said, yep, we're offering you a contract you accept. And the kid was all smiles, and it was the buzz of the camp. So, you know, for us, I, I just love being involved in these opportunities since I'm not with a team to be able to identify talent and give them an opportunity to come out and, you know, do their best to get the, to make their dreams come true. And uh, honestly, selfishly, I hope it shows that I can find talent in the, and one of these teams will scoop me up soon. I'm sure one of them will, David. I mean, you you're you're just an absolute treasure trove of of you know information, and I could easily sit here and 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 talk football longer than what we've done today. So I do appreciate all the information, and like, and uh, hopefully you know as you get more and more busy, you still have time to come back on the program with us as we get a little closer to the draft with rumors and whatnot, and and hopefully like uh, you know after the draft, just kind of give us your expert takes because they are just absolute gold and I do appreciate them very deeply. And I know the listeners love hearing from you as well. Oh, anything for you. I've, I've enjoyed us forging this friendship. So anything you need, you just, you just dial me up. I got you. I appreciate you and giant fans. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, We have plenty more schools coming up. We've got Ohio state coming up this week. We have Georgia. I'm working on getting a couple of other schools, uh, the hosts from the the podcasts covering the other schools. So we're going to continue our countdown to the NFL draft. So until then folks for David Turner, I am Patricia Trana and we will talk again soon. Take care.